The following opinions and ideas are that of the host and or contributors to the Eat This podcast and are for the purposes of general information and entertainment only and do not necessarily reflect the thoughts and ideas of the distributor. Just like a mouthful of sunshine. I have learned so much from you. Fresh is always better. To me, I'm just like amazed. Great for everyone. I love your advice, by the way. Amazing. Eat This with Leanne Phillipson. Are you addicted? Gotta have it. Give it to me now kind of person when it comes to sugary and sweet foods. Do you look at others who bypass the chocolate, the donuts, the cake at work and wonder, like, how on earth do they not stop and stuff their face? Because it's exactly what you want to do. If there was a pill that somehow contained willpower with a subtext of sugar, why don't would you take it? Some clients tell me that they have a sweet tooth, that's how they've always been, and how they always will be. Others don't care and aren't drawn to it, but how can this be? As humans, don't we have this, like, an innate need for sugar, like for energy and fuel? Well, kind of, but there's a lot more to talk about, it being at the top of the evil ladder of foods. If you've been living under a rock, you may not be aware of that. But for the rest of us, there's knowledge that sugar isn't good for you. But the disconnect between what the brain knows and what your body tells you that it wants just doesn't always come together. Today on Eat This, sugar. The good, if there is any, the bad, and its alternatives. On today's episode, which is part one, which will be swiftly followed by part two, and an interview with a man who's been sugar-free for nine years. Yes, there are many questions there. In this episode, let's take a look at sugar, some of the 50 variations like fructose, maltose, glucose, sucrose, honey, maple syrup, coconut sugar, high fructose corn syrup, artificial sweeteners, and those sweeteners found under the natural umbrella, like stevia. And while we're at it, let's figure out why we love this stuff so much and see if we can make sense of what's healthy to consume and what's not. This is a hot topic. It's been for years, and I know it's going to continue for years to come. I'm going to endeavor to answer questions that people want to know what matters to you. I asked on social media, and there were more questions about this than I could come up with myself. People in my Facebook communities asked if sugar is addictive and brutal for your health. Joanne asked if Splenda is really bad for you. Kim wants to know about fruit and all the different types of fruit and their sugar content. She also asked how much sugar is okay to eat every day. Teresa asked if there is indeed a connection between cravings and hormones, as she's experiencing more cravings in perimenopause. And Ed asked about monk fruit. It has zero grams of sugar, but it has calories. So, stand by, listen up, and eat this. Big question. Why is sugar so addictive and makes us feel so good? Mmm, that must be the sugar. Suddenly I want to run. Chase me! Oh, now I'm sad. I gotta tell you, I have my own information and everything that I've learned over the years about the good and the bad of sugar. But in preparing for this podcast, I can't tell you how many rabbit holes I went down because this is so fascinating. 
I could have kept going for another two months just in my research before presenting this, but I want you guys to know this and understand it. So to answer the question of is sugar addictive, while the studies kind of go back and forth, and that's fine, but knowing that sugar and drugs like cocaine, amphetamines, nicotine, they hijack the same feel-good system in the brain. So what sugar does for you is makes you feel like you've just taken cocaine, crack, or some other drug. The more sugar you eat to feel good, the more sugar you want to feel good. You keep on raising the bar. Just like with heroin, the first hit, you always want the first hit. When the sugar hits your tongue, when the sugar hits your taste buds, and all of a sudden you can exhale because it makes you feel good, you want that every time you put it back in your mouth. You just got to keep living, man. L-I-V-I-N. <laughs> what is so bad about sugar? To answer that, we got to pull it apart a little bit first. So just bear with me here. First off, sugar does not actually give you any nutrients, especially those that are needed to metabolize it. And I've just explained while it's so addictive, it's the specifics that help explain why it's so bad. Let's take glucose. This is a sugar. It's found in most whole foods and carbohydrates. It can be metabolized by nearly every cell in the body. Sounds easy, right? Then when we look at fructose, another form of sugar, typically from fruit, it's almost entirely metabolized by the liver. Now, when your liver gets overloaded, it has no choice but to turn that fructose into fat, and that can show up as non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. Not good. Fructose at its worst is called high fructose corn syrup. Consuming too much fructose can cause resistance to leptin, which is a hormone that regulates your hunger. It's the, it's the hormone that tells your body to stop eating because you're full. So in other words, drinking sugary drinks don't curb your hunger. It actually makes it so much worse. And that is a simple way to quickly consume such a lot of liquid calories and you never realize that you're actually full. Interesting. So I just want to go back for a second, just back to when I said non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. Like, who knew that your liver could get to a place where it couldn't heal itself? And that's not because you've had too much booze, you're an alcoholic, you started early, you've drunk your whole life. This is actually because you've consumed too much of a particular sugar called fructose. It's a very dangerous situation to be in. And it's from sugar. High fructose corn syrup is hidden in the ingredient list of most foods, like pop, soda, it's in breads, it's in cookies, candy, ice creams, cakes, cereal bars, and so many other foods. A little while ago, you might have seen like a kind of new craze of something called agave syrup, which comes from the tequila plant. Now, I myself certainly jumped on board because it was thinner than honey. It was a bit more like maple syrup. And I put it in for my kids as, as when they were much younger. I used it instead of sugar, thinking, yeah, this is great. And then little reports started coming out. Maybe this is not so good. People started looking into it, thinking, if this was so good, why do we only know about it now? 
And fast forward even a couple of years, we found out that it is 90% fructose, which is too, too much. That's even more than the high fructose corn syrup that you find in your can of pop. Ideally, the sugars that we're consuming are sort of half glucose, half fructose. So that's an ideal situation. And if you think that the agave is 90% fructose, anyway, stay away from that one. Don't think that that is a craze that is going to circle back around because I'm sure that enough has been said about that. Now, I'm going to put some lists up of the different sugars. There's too many oses for your ears. So feel free to head over to leannephillipson.com and you'll have more information about all the different sweeteners there. If you're not sleeping well, sugar could be the cause. This is because foods containing high amounts of refined sugars. So I'm going to differentiate here because I haven't quite got onto it yet, but I'm not talking about fruit. I'm talking about the ingredients. When you read it on a list of ingredients, that is an added and refined sugar. And in the case of sleep, the slow wave sleep, which is the restorative sleep and consolidates our memories and information that we learn throughout the day, and then also REM sleep or rapid eye sleep, puts you into this dream phase and that's how you wake in the morning feeling refreshed, like you've had a good sleep. When you have too much sugar, it completely turns out on its head. Is your mood up and down? Well, yep, sugar, we can blame that one here too. How's your memory? A study in 2015 confirmed that sugar-rich diets can directly impact our brain's ability to retain short and long-term memories. Like, what? Say what? As for your skin, and maybe you've got a bit of acne. Let's face it, most teens have a diet that's pretty high in sugar, whether you're feeding it to them or not. And many adults think that they're kind of still teens, so they can get away with it like you did maybe when you were 14. So in any age of a person, if you happen to see acne, there's a really good chance that higher than healthy amounts of sugar are being eaten. Even if it's like a sneaky way, it's at work, it's the vending machine, it's in the drawer, whatever it is. And personally, I actually see this in my daughters. So I'm divorced and half the time they spend with their dad. And their dad's fairly healthy to a point, but he does buy the sugary cereals. So they have that in the morning. And then at the end of the week, when they come back to me, I see it literally on their face. Sugary foods quickly spike blood sugar and insulin levels, which causes an increase in a hormone called the androgen secretion. And that really is what produces the oil, the inflammation, which then we see as acne. And, you know, all of this has to do with overall skin health. Sugar basically causes inflammation in the skin. So the less you eat, the clearer your complexion can become. Ah, Interesting information. Myth Myth or miracle? Is stevia safe as a no-calorie alternative to sugar? Prior to 2008, stevia was banned as a sweetener by the FDA based on early toxicity studies that they did in rats. Now, it's suggested that it might cause reproductive problems. There are lots of other countries out there in the rest of the world, like the European Food Safety Authority, Health Canada, Australia, New Zealand, like all over the world, World Health Organization. They're like, no, this is totally fine. But this study 
made everybody stand up and say,、uh, I'm really not sure if I should use this and have it approved in our food. The stevia leaves, they come from a small plant that actually doesn't look that dissimilar to mint with its little jagged edges on the leaves. It's native to Paraguay and other tropical areas in South America and has been used for centuries to sweeten mostly tea and things that they eat. Now, you might have found little packets of this lined up next to your Splenda, your Sweet and Low, and your Equal, and maybe you've thought, I'm not sure, should I give that a try? Stevia is like 300 times sweeter than sugar, and many don't love its taste because it can be kind of bitter. Even if you just use a smidge too much, it totally ruins what you're drinking or you're eating. While stevia is an acquired taste, research shows that stevia does not raise blood sugar and doesn't cause cavities in the way that sugars do. It may also help to reduce insulin levels compared to those artificial sweeteners. And a study of 19 lean and 12 obese adults found that having stevia before a meal significantly lowered their insulin levels after the meal compared with having aspartame, which is a sugar free artificial sweetener. When you go and grab that packet of stevia to try it out in your cup of coffee or your tea, know that it only contains an absolute tiny amount of stevia because it's insanely sweet and it wouldn't be practical to sell this little smidge in a single packet. So there's actually going to be some carrier agents in there as well. While stevia isn't my favorite sweetener, sometimes I might add a drop to tea because you can get it in a liquid form and also in a powder form. And in the powder form, I actually used it to just create a bit of sweetness in my Kid Boost supplement and also the Skin Boost in my Take This by Leanne supplement line. When it comes to sweetness in stevia, too much is most certainly not a great thing, but you can figure out what it is that you like. So, is stevia bad for you? Nope, it's not. In fact, it's a myth. Eat this with Leanne Philipson. A lot of unanswered questions here, seems like. Questions, questions. Before I get to these questions, please know that to do with any of these podcasts, if you've got questions about them or you want me to do a deep dive into a whole other topic, Please reach out on Leanne Phillips and Nutrition on Facebook. You can send me a direct message on Instagram to Leanne Phillipson. And also on Twitter, I'm Sprout Wright. Any questions? So, the questions that I got when I posted this on Facebook w a s Splenda, Equal, Sweet and Low, these chemically made sweeteners, they can all be just as addictive as your little white packet of sugar. Don't be fooled that just because there aren't any calories, that they're any better. There needs to be communication between your stomach and your brain that you're full. And that does not happen when you consume these artificial sweeteners. So, what that means when you're on your fifth or your tenth can of Diet Pop, feeling like you know, you're doing the best job because you're not eating, you know, she said no sugar, so this is what you're gonna do, your brain will never tell you to stop. Drinking it. And what that means is not only you're having so many chemicals put into your body without any nutrients that helps you to break it down, metabolize it, but you can actually put on more weight. Completely counterintuitive to why you're ordering the Diet Pop in the first place. Ugh, fine. As for Ed's question about monk fruit, 
also known as Lo Han Guo. Bless you. Thank you. <laughs> it's a small melon from China, and it's like 150 to 250 times sweeter than sugar. As with stevia extracts, monk fruit is often mixed with other sweeteners and starches and fiber to add bulk to improve its flavor, but you still get the hit of sugar. And for poor Teresa, who's feeling more cravings because she's in the perimenopausal phase of her of her life, uh, hell yeah! It'll be similar to the premenstrual ups and downs of those hormones that add to cravings. Oh yeah, without a doubt. All right, so let's talk about stopping sugar. Now that you know all these really bad things that are going on. I want to first of all touch on this, but please know that next episode in part two of this, I'm going to speak with a world-class juggler and performer who has not eaten sugar in nine years. Like, what? How is that possible? So I hope to get some inspiration for me and for you, and I'm going to ask, why does he do it? Day in and day out, and how's he like? How has he managed to sustain that over this period of time? Because that just seems really far out there for a lot of us. So let's say that we find you find yourself with type two diabetes, hopefully, but you might non-alcoholic fatty liver disease because you didn't know, maybe heart disease. You've got some skin issues, or you're up and down like a yo-yo with your mood and your energy all day long, and you feel like all right. I'm hearing what she's saying. I want to make some changes and do something a little different, but I really don't know what I'm supposed to do. I do not recommend that you go cold turkey, sugar-free tomorrow or even today. You've got to find alternatives, and I'm not talking about sweetener alternatives or the chemical alternatives that I just talked about. I'm talking about what are you going to do instead of that donut or that muffin? What your go-to foods are that you're eating all day long, and now realize that they're not the best. And please remember that you're just going to take this. One mouthful at a time. As you stop eating sugar, some people, because they have so much of it, whether they know it or not, they go through similar effects as when people come off drugs. You may experience exhaustion, headaches, brain fog, irritability, and some people even have gastrointestinal distress. So maybe diarrhea or constipation. When you stop eating sugar altogether. However, your body goes through this withdrawal, and it may not be so pleasant. I'm really not trying to put you off here, but I want you to go into this knowing. Your body may talk to you, your brain may talk to you, and your mood may change drastically if your body is super hooked on sugar to keep you feeling really, really good, and then all of a sudden it's gone. So, what are you living on? Because you're not living on that sugar to help you to feel really good. Now, do you remember that when I said that sugar releases your feel-good hormones, that dopamine, how that happens in the brain, activating your body's reward system? Going cold turkey on that can be really, really, be too much for some people. Many of my clients they experience, like I said, fatigue, headaches, or even a feeling of sadness or depression, and that shows telltale signs that your body is adjusting. And now the levels of glucose, dopamine, and serotonin are starting to balance out. Now, please hang in there because after a week or so, and actually in my clients, I do typically see it takes about a week. Your energy should. 
start to improve, and you'll feel more alive and less irritable. If you find after two weeks, this is really, you're still struggling, keep going really slow. Don't deprive yourself. There are so many alternatives to having like that afternoon Mars bar or donut or whatever it was that you used to have. Go grab a a container of blueberries. Go grab a banana and have something like that. If you find that you break down and you go get the Mars bar, okay, next time, Please know that you can choose differently. It's okay. During this, I'm going to call it a weaning process off of sugar. You have to take it moment by moment. And also notice in that moment when you need that sugar hit, what's going on emotionally for you? Because sometimes it can be that you're going and you're gravitating towards that because you don't feel good. And when you can see that and still go and do it, that is still a win and still a step towards success. Body Boost of the Week. Chromium. This trace mineral that you've probably never even heard of or didn't know existed is actually really closely linked with your blood sugar balance. It's a super common deficient mineral because when you eat sugar, your body needs chromium to metabolize it or to break it down. And sugar provides zero chromium. So the more sugar you eat, the more chromium you need. Now, there's a lot of links between type 2 diabetes, uh, your insulin insensitivity, or even polycystic ovarian syndrome, because that falls under that umbrella. And while I don't tend to say to clients, okay, your blood sugar balance is up and down like a yo-yo, I'm just going to give you chromium, I'm going to suggest that it goes into a supplement and with the B vitamins that you need, with all the nutrients that you're missing because you're eating so much sugar. Chromium is just one part of this, but the reason why I bring it up is because I want you to know about it. I want you to understand that if you've got a supplement at home, if you've got a multi at home, pick it up, have a look. How much chromium is in there? Is there even chromium in there? If you're choosing a supplement that is specific to help your blood sugar level, or you know that your energy levels are up and down at three o'clock in the afternoon, you want to climb under your desk or crawl down there to have a nap and your blood sugar is tanking, chromium can help. So you can get individual chromium supplements, and sometimes I've recommended that for clients to over and above what might be in a multi. I do in my adult boost, part of my Take This by Leanne line, there is chromium in the adult boost. I like it when it goes with the B vitamins, with some of the cofactors which help its absorption. And also you're getting the benefit from everything else that's in a supplement to help you to get over this blood sugar crash that you're experiencing most days. Eat This with Leanne Philipson. How much sugar is okay? Good question. The World Health Organization recommends a daily intake of about 25 grams. That equates to about 6 teaspoons a day for adults and about 12 grams or 3 teaspoons a day for children based on like a 2,000 calorie diet. Most blow through that with their first meal or their first bite of the day. Even if you're avoiding desserts, some of those sneaky sources of sugar could be putting you way over that daily limit. An easy calculation when you read 
the package, whatever it is that you have in your hand, is to find where it says sugar, just the word sugar, not carbohydrates, and divide that number by four. And that's how you get to how many teaspoons. I'm a really visual person, so when I see that it's in a, a certain amount of teaspoons, that makes more sense to me than just this whole gram thing. So what that looks like is your 12-ounce can of Coke. That has 39 grams of sugar, which is about 10 teaspoons of sugar. And to boot, it's high-fructose corn syrup that I've already talked about. So it's heading straight towards that overwhelmed liver to be metabolized. Foods you may not have thought that are really high in sugar are things like spaghetti sauce. Why does that need to be sweet? Barbecue sauce. That is quite sweet. Salad dressings, baked beans. If you've ever gone and picked up a fruit-flavored yogurt, that seems really healthy, right? It's low fat. Maybe you're going to have one or two of them. You're actually rivaling the sugar in a can of pop. And, like, that's yogurt. White bread is void of fiber, so it has its own fast carb release, but it often has a lot of added sugar to it. What about this? A can of soup can have as much sugar as a typical blueberry muffin. That just doesn't seem right. How about peanut butter? You've got to read the label. If it just says peanuts, you're good. If it has more than that, ditch it. Two tablespoons of ketchup with your fries? You're eating the same amount of sugar as what's in a chocolate chip cookie. How's that possible? If you're hungry and you think, oh yeah, I'm going to go grab that protein bar. That's a really good option. Mm -mm. Think again. Flip over that package. Do the calculation. Whatever the grams of sugar it is, divide by four. And then you'll get a visual on how many teaspoons. Compare it to the one that's next door. Sometimes you may as well just grab the chocolate bar instead of the protein bar option because it's just as bad. A typical vodka and cranberry has about 30 grams of sugar, while a gin and tonic has about 18. It's consistently coming at you whether you know it or not. How about cereal that you think is healthy? Okay, I'm going to have the bran flakes instead of the Fruit Loops. Mm -mm. Don't get me started about granola. Those clusters of sugar have as much sugar in them as those instant oatmeal packages. You've heard that fruit juice isn't good. Well, you know, it's actually almost as bad as pop for its sugar or fructose content. If you're picking up an alternative milk because you've heard me suggest, well, maybe just ease off on the dairy a little bit, then make sure that it says unsweetened. Otherwise, leave it on the shelf. Okay. So basically, I've just listed out everything that you eat every single day. Oh my God, what on earth am I going to put in my mouth next? Are you uh, like, um, like, like so sure? So what on earth can you eat? I want you to eat real food that looks like real food. Sometimes we call that whole foods. So typically when you go to the supermarket, you're going to spend more time in the produce section. You're going to walk around the outside of the supermarket. You've heard this before. That can look like some protein, some meat, some fish and poultry, some grains that you have to cook. So brown rice, quinoa, buckwheat and barley, vegetables till you can't eat any more. I want half your plate needs to be piled high with plants And you can include white potatoes, just not so many of them in the fry form. Fruit. Yes, fruit with all that fructose. It's actually really good to eat. And in the whole form, 
when you're eating the apple, the pear, the banana, the grapes, the berries, you've got tons of fiber, loads of nutrients, and antioxidants. It's very difficult to overeat fructose when you're eating it from the whole piece of fruit. The lowest fructose fruit include kiwis, berries. Go crazy. If you want to eat yogurt, please choose the full fat and plain kind. Yes, I just said full fat. That's where the taste is. As soon as they take that fat out and make it super skimmed, they have to add something to it, which is normally sugar, to make it taste any good. Add those berries in, or maybe even a fruit spread, and it's a huge improvement. No more low fat, fruity tooty versions. Read the packages of anything that you pick up as you shop. I know it adds more time to it, but just like pick the two or three things that you know were probably not so great. Maybe it's the crackers, or maybe it's the pasta sauce, as I said, or that barbecue sauce that's super sweet. Just choose a brand that has less sugar than the other one. If you need to keep them in your diet, you don't have to take it all out and get rid of it. Rather than pasta sauce, maybe this time you buy some tomatoes in a can and you make a pasta sauce for for yourself. And you can always look in my book, Sprout Right Family Food, for some help with some recipes. I want you to eat protein and fat. Fat is so satisfying and helps you more than almost anything with your sugar cravings. That's eggs, cheese, butter, chicken, with the skin left on. The French eat this way, and like our grandparents' generation, they don't really have an obesity issue or any of the other issues that I talked about. Some ideas that can work is that when you're out at a restaurant, order a cheese platter instead of a dessert. Eat cheese and crackers in the afternoon, and swap your granola for eggs and an apple, maybe with some almond butter. While you may not be going for the full sugar-free life, as my guest next week has done, reducing the amount of sugar in any way, shape, or form can help you in ways that you don't even know until you do. So after all that, what do you do? I hope you haven't found this to be too heavy. This was a podcast that I put together because I wanted you to understand the impact that sugar can have. There are lots of people out there that have been eating sugar their whole lives. And maybe they need to hear this. Maybe you need to hear this. Maybe you need to be the one that's going to help to impact a family member or someone else. You've got to take responsibility for yourself and you'll model all of these things to your kids even. Please don't get overwhelmed by this. And listen again, maybe to the podcast, just so that you can take away some things that you know that you can do differently. If you're a yogurt eater, okay. Finish the ones that are in your fridge. Next time you go to the supermarket, don't buy the fruity tooty ones that have all the sugar in it. And immediately you've made an improvement. It can honestly be as simple as that. Thanks so much for joining me. Please reach out through any of my social media channels with your feedback, with your questions. Know that just because I'm in your ears and I'm talking about this, like I'm on this journey with you too. If you love the podcast, share it with other people, download it every week, and always remember to eat this one mouthful at a time.